This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment-related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. Hello, this is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host of ADHD Focus, the podcast which brings you good, reliable information on all aspects of ADHD. Today, my guest is Kathleen Nadeau, a psychologist who has dedicated over three decades of her professional work to the field of ADHD. Initially, she worked with children, then parents, and now um, concentrates mainly in the area of working with women in ADHD. Kathleen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, So we've uh, talked about some of the things that can uh, that are unique to women um, in the in, with ADHD, and I think that's a, a huge challenge it is for anyone, but particularly for women who may have family and home to manage and a job as well. Um, but it impacts women in any situation. So one of the things that that I've certainly seen, and I know you have, is the fact that many women are misdiagnosed with anxiety or depression or other kinds of things. Why do you suppose that that is? Well, I I think that misdiagnosis is due to a number of different factors. I mean, first of all, ADHD in adulthood almost never exists by itself. There are almost always coexisting conditions and two Mm -hmm. of the most common coexisting conditions are anxiety and depression. So it's not necessarily a misdiagnosis, it's just an incomplete diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I I think most psychiatrists and certainly most uh, general practitioners have not received training whatsoever in diagnosing and recognizing adult ADHD, much less ADHD in women, whereas they've had lots of training in recognizing anxiety and depression. So Mm -hmm. they certainly know what to look for and what to pick up on. What's really important for women to understand, though, is sometimes the anxiety and depression is really due to the ADHD and that once it's properly treated, the stress level goes down, the anxiety goes down, the depression is often really more demoralization. They're just so discouraged because they Mm -hmm. try so hard and yet keep encountering problems that they don't really understand. Yeah, I certainly see people that get on the right ADHD medications and treatment support and find they don't need their medication for anxiety any longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, depression, it may be a little trickier. I think that's harder to negotiate through in terms of therapy and things like that. But it certainly happens as well. 
Yes, and the, the fact of the matter, it all needs to be addressed, and it's kind of like peeling the layers of an onion. Mm-hmm. And you you may need to be on medication both for ADHD and anxiety and or depression or just one, and you need to work with someone that can help you figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, I'd always kind of learned the approach being treat the ADHD first if you're looking at medication because it's not likely to make either depression or anxiety worse and the only um, different order is if either of those are because of underlying bipolar disorder. Bipolar, exactly. Yeah, you want to get that mood stabilizer going before adding a, a stimulant. Uh, and some people are so sensitive to stimulants with their anxiety that you have to kind of balance those things out. Um, so in terms of, and it, it may apply more to women than to men, uh, in terms of how ADHD might have been missed in childhood. Well, when when you think about it, um, for years and years, we thought of ADHD as a disorder that only little boys had. We didn't recognize that adults had it, and we didn't really recognize that females had it. And, you know, every once in a while, there would be a girl who was just like the boys, very mm-hmm. hyperactive and impulsive and maybe oppositional, and then a girl would be diagnosed. But that's not what most girls with ADHD are like. No. And for for a long, long time, and even today in the general public, there is kind of an expectation that there are behavioral problems, that there is hyperactivity, and so yeah. if a girl doesn't fit that profile, they're, they're not going to get diagnosed. But there's another phenomenon going on that I don't think we really fully understand, and that is that for... For a child to be diagnosed with ADHD, a teacher has to recognize it because Mm -hmm. ADHD is not diagnosed in kids unless it's apparent in more than one setting. So doctors are always looking for teacher reports as well as parent reports. And studies have been done. They did an interesting study in which they described a child with ADHD symptoms Uh, just a written description, and they would give the description to a teacher with either a boy's name or a girl's name on the description and ask the teacher, would you refer this child for an assessment uh, and intervention? And with exactly the same words, the same description, if the child's name was a boy, the teachers were more likely to report they would refer this child for an assessment. And so there's there's a built-in teacher bias, and I don't think it's even a teacher bias. I think just a social bias toward these kind of behaviors are more problematic in boys and need to be addressed. I think there's another factor going on, and that is that girls tend to try harder to 
meet their teacher's expectations. And so they kind of go under the teacher's radar. It's not that the teacher is ignoring them. It's that they're behaving very differently at school, often very anxious trying to get their work done. Right. And it's only only the parents that are seeing the frustration and the explosions and the anxiety, mm-hmm. and then they so, go to school. I see so many go. girls that they're just determined to get that homework done so they're up till 1 a.m. finishing homework. Of course, then they're short on sleep, and their mood and everything else is where boys give up around 7:30 and and uh, <laughs> just don't do it. Um, That's right. The other interesting um, thing that uh, Ted Mandelkorn, who's another physician in this area, who uh-huh. just I know that name. ADD, he did uh, did some interviews, video interviews with teenagers, and he asked um, girls if they daydreamed in class, and they said, well, sure. So would the teacher know? Well, no, I'm not stupid. I'm looking at her. (laughs) Boys are throwing spitballs or doing something else. Girls are going to be determined to keep the appearances up, even though they're thinking about something else. Um, right. So that's, you know, again, where the, the teacher's going to miss it. And it doesn't show up in grades, I think, as easily with boys, again, because the girls are trying harder. Are trying. And what's interesting, I mean, even today, you will read statistics that there are two or three times as many boys as girls. Mm-hmm with ADHD. Well, you need to think about where those statistics are coming from because they're coming from clinics. They're coming from clinics that kids are referred to and guess who's doing the referring. So they did a gigantic study in Brazil of an entire school district trying to identify the rates of ADHD in their high school population. Mm -hmm. But they did something very different. They asked the students themselves, and they asked the parents, usually the mother of the student, to fill out questionnaires. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in that instance where they weren't relying on teacher report, just self-report and parent report, the rate of ADHD reported in this huge school district was higher among girls than boys. Huh. So we really haven't paid enough attention to who's doing the reporting and why are they reporting what they're reporting. Because one of the things we learned, which I thought was just fascinating, is in the mid-1990s, there was just a sudden explosion of awareness of adult ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, Ned Hallowell's book, Driven to Distraction, came out in 1995, and it became a bestseller, and suddenly everybody was talking about and writing about adults with ADHD, and several clinics suddenly opened. There had never been adult ADHD clinics. Uh-huh. And, th- and those clinics reported that more women than men were coming to those clinics for diagnosis and treatment. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, well, women are just more comfortable seeking help. I'm sure that might play a role in it, but but I think what plays a bigger role in it is these females were able to self-refer their adults 
Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. say, I'm concerned about me, and I think I might have ADHD, whereas girls don't have the ability to self-refer. Mm-hmm. And very interestingly, just in the past year, I've had several teenage girls, seniors in high school, convince their mother who did not think they had ADHD that they needed mm-hmm. an assessment, that they're finally, there's enough information online and they were right. able to self-advocate and came in and were diagnosed. So so there's a, a real issue of what's going on inside of females may not be all that evident to people mm-hmm. on the outside. The other thing that I um, think of is that perhaps the ADHD has a, a larger impact on women in terms of managing the household and themselves, even if they don't work outside the home. And it may not be quite so evident in men unless, and I see many men, where it's job performance or because their wife says, you have to do something about this. Um, And it's impacting the relationship. And maybe with that general awareness, certainly if a child has been diagnosed and then one or the other parent can think, oh, boy, that sounds like me. Um, but I wonder if the, the impact on women is more, and that's why they're more likely to uh, seek treatment on their own, I guess. Well... I think there's several things at play. When I'm talking about women with ADHD, I often tell the story of a family that came to me 25 years ago probably, and they initially brought their teenage son for diagnosis, but it became very evident that the mother had ADHD as well. And then she reported that her husband who was a very high-ranking Marine officer, also had ADHD. However, however, as she told it, I'm home with, I can't remember if it was four or five children, several of whom have ADHD, so Mm -hmm. I'm tearing my hair out because here I am trying to manage these kids and manage myself, and my husband's gone an awful lot of the time. But my husband, who also has ADHD, she said, you wouldn't believe what his life is like. I mean, he has people to go get him cash at the ATM, to put gas in his car, to drive him to his next meeting. I mean, he's got all this support going so he can use his smart brain without having to focus on organizing and managing everything, whereas his wife at home is, you know, operating solo in chaos. Yeah. I I think of a, um, a man I saw a number of years ago who was an executive at Boeing, and he was head of one of the um, groups there. And he came in and said, you know, I've been doing okay because I've got admin assistants will do one thing and another, and I can delegate things. And at home, everybody's used to the fact that I have ADD. Um, but now at work, they said, well, we're going to start a new group. You're the group. And until it grew, he had to do the organizing and scheduling and figuring out. He says, I can't do that. I can't keep up with it. So 
he took medication for about two years until the group was big enough that he could delegate things and had um, the administrative help, and then he didn't need it because he could give the organization part out to, to other people. Um, so I think that's, that's very much uh, the case of having someone to delegate to. And at home, if you're a mom with three kids, you don't have somebody else to delegate it to. Absolutely. It's delegation, but what I think of it as more generally is structure and support, and there's mm -hmm. no more unstructured job oh in the world than being a mother and homemaker. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's no structure to it other than the kids go to school at a certain hour and come home at a certain hour, but other than that, it's completely up to the at-home parent to schedule and organize and manage things. And um, Sari Solden is a clinical social worker who specialized in helping women with ADHD for much of her career. And, and she wrote a book um, that came out almost 20 years ago about women with ADHD. And she talked about being a homemaker as the most ADD unfriendly uh -huh. job that um, one could have because there's yeah. no structure and no support. And parenting is totally ad-lib anyway. Um, yes, that's so right. And especially <laughs> ad-lib when your kids have ADD. Right. Um, having three kids with ADD and mom with ADD, um, though I also have had one mom was in with her son and she asked her son to go back out to the waiting room and mom looked at me and said I've got four kids with ADD the three children and my husband what do I do because <laughs> <laughs> she had to organize him and them she didn't have ADD but she was going crazy trying to to deal with everybody else and some families everybody's got it um, so what kinds of, of uh, support are out there or um, ways that a woman can find not just, uh, as you say, that the structure helps and, okay, you find a physician who can help if you choose to take medication, but uh, other support in terms of kind of coaching process, how you do things, and other women to uh, share the struggles. Well... I am a huge, huge believer in women's support groups. I mean, men enjoy and profit from them too, but I think women are, are much more prone to need the acceptance and support of other women with ADHD. And years ago, I ran a therapy group for women for about a year or so, and the women in that group said, this is the first time in my life I've been with a group of women who really understand and accept me and my ADHD. And I think that the fact that women are still, even today, uh, very often expected to be the organizing principle of their family, whether or not mm -hmm. they have ADHD, <clears throat> that women feel very inadequate. They just 
can't keep it all together. They can't keep all their ducks in a row and they feel they're an inadequate person, an inadequate mm-hmm. woman because of it. And it's just so therapeutic to come together with women who literally do know what you're talking about, to share war stories, to share tips, to you know provide each other with emotional support and it's it's very easy to form a small women's ADD support group simply by attending a larger meeting of either ADA or CHAD which are the two large national organizations Um, I think women just naturally seek each other out Years ago, we used to run a group, an after-school group for middle school children with ADD and talking Mm -hmm. to them about organizational and study skills. And we found that their mothers had basically formed an impromptu support group in the reception area. And oh, look forward to it every week. They were they they had their own group while the mm-hmm. kids were in with us. Uh, yeah, and, you know they very naturally band together. And so I, um, there have been some hilarious things that women have come up with. And I was at an ADA conference um, once years ago when there were still national ADA conferences, and women came up to me and said that they had organized an online support group and it basically consisted of getting online once a week at a specific time declaring the dreaded task of the week that you had been Uh. avoiding uh, committing to going to do it immediately that minute and then getting back online to announce to each other that you'd accomplished the task. Oh, and they just, they just had a ball doing it and coming up with the funniest, you know, dreaded task of the week mm-hmm. and, and supporting each other and giving each other permission to, to not have a perfectly organized household. Right. Um, and I, I think certainly so much of the kind of popular and media-supported um, perspective or ideal is your house is going to look like you could take a picture for good housekeeping. You're going to cook gourmet meals, manage everybody's diets. The closets in the house is, are going to be perfectly organizing. You're going to take care of the kids' behavior, and if any of those fall through, it's mom's fault. That's right. Which is absurd and from (laughs) (laughs) any measure. And even more so, I think um, anybody with ADHD and women with ADHD are going to see friends that, number one, don't understand how come you're always late or you don't show up, but also their friends' houses look great and theirs don't. so it's very easy to to uh, get into that comparison and I'm bad, I'm defective. Uh, and I strongly, strongly encourage women to seek out friends that understand and accept them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's literally toxic, and and unfortunately, sometimes women are related to people that are toxic yeah. presences yeah. in their life. And I really encourage them. You know, don't put yourself through 
you know, unwanted home inspections by, mm-hmm. you know, judgmental relatives. Uh, you right. have a right to protect yourself. And, uh, and so, so and you, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that you have a right to set your own standards for how you're going to celebrate a holiday or how mm-hmm. often you're going to entertain at home or if you're going to entertain at home at all. Right. That, and carrying those parental messages of you should do this, you should do that, and if you aren't, then you aren't doing as as well as you're supposed to. Um, I really like the work of uh, Brene Brown in the area of shame and um, identifying many of the things women are ashamed of and then also men uh, in terms of how to build shame resistance and confront your shame and and basically bring it out into the open and that's where the support groups can help uh, where someone else understands yes I've missed getting to the bus on time to pick up the kids because I was doing four other things and that doesn't mean you're a terrible mom no it doesn't no it doesn't and I think you know I just keep saying somebody didn't do the math Uh, a generation or a generation and a half ago when all the moms had to go to work. I mean, who who was supposed to take care of all the things that somebody was at home taking care of? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that the stress level in families raising children today without ADHD being part of the picture is just terribly high. And and then you add ADHD and it's, it's off the charts. Mm-hmm. You know, just chronic stress and exhaustion. Um, and I, this is where, um, at least in the, the busy picture of it, looking at the the basics, number one, protect your sleep. If it's 10 o'clock, no, you don't have to do just one more thing. You have to go to bed, so the next day is going to work. Um, getting some kind of physical activity, maybe that's just a walk, maybe it's... Uh, Yes, going for a walk with a friend or parking a little bit further away and walking to wherever you're going. It doesn't have to be go to the gym or or do a specific program. Um, And taking care of yourself. Take some time that can be for you. Um, Okay, it's the evening. Your husband's home. He takes care of the kids. You shut the door in the bathroom, put on some candles, get into the bathtub, and just relax. Um, That may be pie in the sky for some people, but something that's your own time and not all these demands uh, going on you. Um, And that's the kind of thing that some relaxation techniques or the mindfulness, mindful awareness. Absolutely. Give you that. Very, very important to to manage stress. And I think one of the things that that people with ADHD are prone to do is to have self-induced stress of, of not carefully judging, do I have time to do this? Do I have time for my child to engage in this activity? Getting overcommitted and then just going frantically from one activity to another, and, and that gets back to keeping up with the frantic pace that all the other families are trying to lead. 
yeah, yeah. The, I um, have a number of, of moms that I think partly they want to help. They get excited about, yeah, that's a neat idea. I want to help. And then find that they're chairing the auction and their daughter's birthday <laughs> is Thursday and there's a dinner party Friday and they're all in the same week. Um, yeah. So, and I say, look ahead at the collision and try to avoid <laughs> the collisions. Your first response have to be, let me check my calendar um, instead of just jumping in it. But then that that aspect of ADHD that's so difficult that in terms of planning in the future and thinking, oh, yeah, I'll have time to do that. There'll be plenty of help with other people helping on the auction. Then a lot of people don't, and you're stuck. Um, and just the amount of stress caused by change. Mm-hmm. I was talking, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm working on a book on aging with ADHD, and I was talking to a gentleman recently who's really managed his ADHD very well, and he's almost at retirement now. And somehow, instinctively, he had just realized he needed a very low-stress life. And he Mm -hmm. said, I have a job that's been very predictable. I've been in that job for over 30 years. My wife and I have lived in the same little house since 1983. We've never moved. Um, That he just minimized stress and, and functioned pretty well as a result. And I think so many people with ADHD are stimulation seekers. And Mm -hmm. that sounds interesting, and wouldn't that be fun? And pretty soon they have created permanent overload for themselves. So I'm always talking to women about let's do a stress analysis. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are the stressors in your life? I mean, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, which is an area of enormous traffic jams. And one of the things that I'm constantly talking to people about is people think of this as one area. And I actually know of people that accept jobs that are an hour and 20 minutes away, one way by car. And I think that's crazy. Yeah. That you, you need to think more like a small town person. If you live in this particular suburb, look for work in this particular suburb. Absolutely. Not, not on the other side of Washington. Absolutely. Well, we've uh, pretty much reached the time of our limit on our discussion, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about to be able to get together again. Um, a couple of takeaways I'd like to uh, be sure our listeners have is uh, the idea of structure and support. Structure, come up with some structure on your usually unstructured day as a mom, but also have support whether it is a friend who understands ADHD, a local support group, even online kinds of things. Those I think are uh, are very important and find ways to manage your stress because we all have it. How much it affects us depends on how we uh, how we deal with it. Yes. My guest today has been Kathleen Nadeau, a psychologist and founder of the Chesapeake ADHD Clinic. Um, she is an author and has written 
many books, especially ones on women in ADHD, understanding women with ADHD, and also understanding girls with ADHD. And she's currently in the process of writing a book on aging with ADHD, would be very interested in interviewing women over the age of 60. And uh, you can contact her through her website, chesapeakeadd.com. Kathleen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. This is Dr. David Pomeroy signing off for today's segment of ADHD Focus. Until we meet again, be well.